Hi, and welcome to Calm Cash. I'm your host, Ben Jackson. Last week, I didn't post a show. During the time where I would research or record, I was trying to unfreeze a well about an hour west outside of Austin. That ended poorly and left my family without water for about 24 hours. That made us flee to Dallas, only to be without power for three more days and totally stuck in snow and ice. It's been a crazy week and a half, but things are slowly getting back to normal. Life threw a bunch of curveballs, and there are always lessons to learn when that happens. Let's talk about two of those today. I've mentioned before on the podcast that I live in Texas. I'm not originally from here, but I've lived here for almost 11 years now. It's home. It's a place that gets cold, and it has snowed or iced over in the time that I've lived here, but what happened over the last week and a half was pretty unbelievable. Sure, there was a moderate amount of snow and ice in North Texas, and even more further south in Central Texas and the Hill Country, but the scary twist from Mother Nature and really damaging impact were the temperatures. There were days where the low temps were one or four, and with the wind chill, it reached minus 14. I have a great friend in Chicago, and temperatures like these are just a normal Tuesday for him in that city. But it's normal because the infrastructure is ready and prepared for these types of extreme cold. Texas and its power grid were not at all ready. Millions of people lost power. Some are still without power over a week into this. And the really sad thing is we're learning about the loss of life from hyperthermia and exposure to the elements, carbon monoxide poisoning from people doing anything they could just to keep warm, and other tragic loss of life by people needing help and not being able to get it. My family and I feel especially lucky. We did lose power for three days, and we did have some damage to our house that I'll talk about later. But the first lesson this past week has reminded me about is the power of social support. It's a topic we've covered before, and we've talked about the science and research behind having a network of friends and family that you can turn to in times of need. But the context of how we've talked about social support has really been around the psychology of it for achieving your goals, getting through the pandemic, or trying to improve your mental health or complete some kind of behavior change. Let's be honest, all those things are kind of soft. On Monday, February 15th, at 2 a.m. in the morning, we lost power. It was 12 degrees outside, and our house that was built in 1929 started its rather fast evacuation of the warm air inside of it. It woke us up because our two baby monitors in the bedroom started beeping at us. By 8 a.m., it was 55 degrees, and by 11 a.m., it was 46 degrees in the house and dropping fast. We were huddled up in a room together, all wrapped up in blankets and double-layered jackets, and that's when my three-year-old said the line of the week, Hey, Dad, I'm a little freezing. It would get below freezing in our house, but fortunately, we weren't there to see it. Some amazing friends invited us over and welcomed us to their warm house with a waffle party for lunch, which extended into three days of us crashing their house, eating their food, and being generally disruptive to their work and personal schedules. It was great. We had a blast, and it basically was a three-day sleepover, which was fun for all of us, but especially for my three-year-old. He thought it was the best week ever. 
If only he knew what was really going on. Of course, we all benefit from social support when we need a sounding board for ideas or our emotions or some encouragement to keep going towards our goals. But more fundamentally, more basic, sometimes we need social support to keep us physically safe, to meet core needs of food, shelter, heat, and water. I haven't needed that most fundamental support in a long time, maybe really ever. But when we were in our biggest need, we had the support of others to lend a most needed hand. We're so grateful for these friends. And we also felt supported and connected to people outside of Dallas. Throughout the week, friends and family from all over the country were checking on us via text or calls to make sure we were okay. We got texts from San Francisco, calls from Seattle, emails from friends in New York, and it reinforced that people cared. They were sending their thoughts, their prayers, their good vibes, and general support, even if they couldn't lend a hand themselves or send a care package. It felt great. And I know other families in our situation felt that kind of support too. It seems small, but it matters. When you're going through a tough time, mentally, physically, emotionally, or all three, those well wishes and positive thoughts make it better. They give you a boost, even if just for a few minutes, to keep going, to stick it out, and to stay positive. I can't thank everyone enough for the support. And it's a good lesson to remember that those calls or texts or care packages that arrive three days too late will boost the spirits of others the next time a natural disaster, freak snowstorm, or personal challenge hits a friend or family member. We have to be there for each other, even if that connection seems like a small gesture. Let's never underestimate the power of social support. So let's advance the story. Our power came back on Wednesday afternoon, and we came home once the heat got above 60 degrees in the house. We were pretty fortunate because at this time, there were still millions of Texans without regular power. I went into the house first to check everything out, and I heard a weird noise in the kitchen. When I walked into the kitchen, it was like I was in a steam room. For a brief moment, it felt really nice because I was cold. And it wasn't even 20 degrees outside. Then the horror set in that hot water was gushing out of the wall from behind our stacked washer dryer that sits next to our refrigerator. The windows were all fogged up, and there were drops of water raining down from the kitchen ceiling. Not great at all. For the next four hours, my next-door neighbor and I worked to shut off the water, take the cabinets apart so we could pull out the washer and dryer, cut away the drywall, identify where the pipes burst, cut the pipes, and install caps to literally stop the flooding. Again, supported and bailed out by an incredible human who was helping a friend in need. But as I used a shop vac to suck up much of the standing water that was on my kitchen floor, I started to try to estimate the cost of fixing this mess. There isn't a topic or tip I've discussed more on Calm Cash than the importance of having emergency savings. It's mentioned in episode one and numerous times throughout season one. To quote myself, to unlock the financial freedom we all want, having the right amounts of cash set aside for life's curveballs is really important. We don't know what the curveballs are going to be. We just know that life has a tendency to throw them our way. Before we left our house, 
we were dripping all the faucets to try to prevent the pipes from freezing. I felt like we thought of everything. Nope, clearly not. Lesson learned. But now I have about a $3,000 problem on my hands between the plumbing fixes and getting someone to fix the drywall and likely do some treatments to prevent mold from settling into the walls and floor. We've actually had to do this before with an HVAC problem about five years ago. That one set us back $4,000. People in the U.S. still struggle with having enough money set aside for an emergency. We've discussed the Bankrate.com survey before, and their latest work from 2020 data shows that only 39% of Americans can afford a $1,000 unexpected expense. This is a decline from past years, which isn't surprising given the unemployment or underemployment we've seen from the pandemic. People are still falling short, even with two rounds of stimulus checks from the government. Fortunately for us, we've set aside a good chunk of money for these types of emergencies, especially because we own our home instead of rent. That means more can go wrong on our own dime, so we keep a larger amount of cash available to cover life's curveballs. The bank rate survey doesn't break out emergency readiness by state, but I'm worried about my fellow Texans. I've heard of so many stories like mine, of failed pipes and broken parts that all will have to be replaced. That costs money, and it takes time. Money that many Texans probably don't have set aside. The second lesson from this week is how important this emergency savings is. I'm frustrated and disappointed to have to spend this money, but I'm not financially stressed about how to fund my needed repairs. This peace of mind matters, and not enough people have it. If you haven't prioritized your emergency savings with at least $1,000 set aside, now is a great time to refocus or recommit to that goal. If you've hit $1,000, consider raising your amount of available cash to cover deductibles or create a bigger buffer for life's curveballs. And if you have friends and family members who don't have money set aside, encourage them to start small and prioritize creating a rainy day fund. And if they need help with budgeting and planning, Point them to Calm Cash episodes on this topic. I hope they can help. We have to get out of these cycles of using credit cards and borrowed cash to solve the financial setbacks that come our way. That is how we can achieve financial freedom and independence. A pretty great destination for your wallet and your mental health. Thanks for all the support during a tough week. Stay safe out there. Stay warm. And we'll talk to you soon.